0: I'm already nervous.
1: Okay, we're recording. Welcome to the Digital Mentorship Podcast. I'm your host, your hot with Scott Kellner. Uh, today, my guest is none other than Amy Ross-Kelly. Um Digital Mentorship bringing you conversations, uh, connections, professional experiences, all trying to help close the gap between what you think your career could be and, or what your career has to be and what it could be. Um, Pow. Okay. Well, today my guest is Amy Roskelly. She's grew up in Salt Lake City. who went to the University of St. Andrews, uh, and where she studied modern history. Um, she currently works for Zions Bank as a wealth advisor or for a wealth advisor. Her title is office manager. Um, two, she's run, tw- apparently she's run 21 marathons, she's crossed the Atlantic Ocean 20 times, and she has five kids. Two of those are true, one of those is a lie. Um, I know the five kids is a lie. But that's a lot of times that you've crossed the Atlantic Ocean. Wow, that's, was that all, was that because, I mean, semester at sea, you only crossed it once.
0: No, I didn't even, oh, well, I didn't even think of that. I didn't even include that. Oh. So, I was only counting flights.
1: So how did you end up at the University of St. Andrews?
0: Well, that's a great question. I went to Scripps College, which is an all-women's college in Southern California, straight out of high school, and decided that small liberal arts college feel, and especially all-girls, was not for me, and so I kind of just took a year off and worked at home. And I had a friend who was attending University of St. Andrews as a full-time student. And so my mom and I kind of thought it would be a good experience for me to do that as a study abroad almost and just spend a year and kind of decide what I wanted to do. And then I went there and I just loved the town so much and the people and the educational opportunity there that I just decided to stay. So I enrolled as a full-time student.
1: And what was that, what was that like going to school so far away from home and being so far away from your family? Uh, Was it, was it wonderful?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you know, it was back in the day when there was long distance. So we had to pay to talk. Sometimes I'd have a 30 or $50 conversation with my mom on the weekends and, uh, there was no like AT&T unlimited, uh, long distance at the time, or where you pay a a flat rate, or WhatsApp, or cell phones, but it was fine, and I came home, like that's why I crossed the Atlantic so many times, I came home for Christmas, and spring break, and summer, obviously, every year, so I didn't just stay over there, and I made a lot of wonderful friends, and um, funny story too, my brother, who's three years younger, was, started college, obviously, shortly after I did, and I used to take the opportunity to go to the computer lab, so we could instant message each other at the outside of the internet on what was called an IVAX. Now, what we do as like iMessage. But I would sit in the computer lab, and we'd set a time because he was in California and I was in Scotland that we would be in the IVAX or in the computer labs at our respective universities on the IVAC so that we could instant message one another for an hour because it was free.
1: Wow. Well, that's, um, I've never so, even heard of IVAX. I can't even, I can't even understand that. sounds, that sounds like you and your we brother have to are Google close it. though. So that's great.
0: Um, yeah, we would have but, to Google it because I don't know what it means.
1: <laughs> so how do you feel like your degree in history helps you with your job?
0: It doesn't at all.
1: Not one, at all.
0: even a little bit, no.
1: So how I, do you? How did you get into working in private wealth management? If you studied history, what did you want to be when you got older? Like, did what did you think about when you were studying history? What did you think about was going to happen?
0: I don't think I did think about it, or I probably wouldn't have. Done you were
1: just it. <laughs> passionate. You were just passionate about history. You liked your teachers. You liked the material. You liked. And, but it wasn't, you knew that it wasn't necessarily something that was going to lead you to a career.
0: No, I definitely did not, or did not plan on that being a career, even thinking about being a teacher, definitely not up my alley. And what else does one do with a history? I feel like you'd be such a good teacher,
1: though. Maybe, maybe not. You're
0: funny. No, you know, I would not. Um, So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really think about it, but what I did do was, during my summer months, um, did I did various like different jobs. One summer, I actually worked on a political campaign for someone who was in Utah running for Senate. Um, who was that? Or maybe, she was, maybe it was House of Representatives, Karen Shepard. Karen Shepard. So I worked for her. Um, and that was on the heels of having worked on Didi Corradini's campaign when she ran for mayor in Salt Lake. So I was kind of active just in that. And then... Um, probably my, probably two different summers, actually, looking back on it, I worked for my mom's stockbroker at what was then Lehman Brothers, and then Shearson Lehman Brothers, and then Smith Barney, because we went through all those iterations while I worked there. And I I kind of had a, an interest and passion for that. And so when I graduated, I, I wasn't going to work for him anymore, just because personalities and hiring, but I uh, decided to apply at Fidelity Investments because I thought, well, at least I can get licensed, get up my foot in the door, get some experience and see if I actually do like this. And that kind of set the stage for my whole path.
1: What do you think? So, uh, So you started at Fidelity and then you went to Goldman? Correct. And then you took a break and you did pharmaceutical sales Uh, pharmaceutical sales and was that because you were tired of working in finance or why did you make that that switch
0: well uh several reasons first of all uh uh i had three kids at the time three Mm. babies basically and i had other girlfriends who did that job and they're like this is a perfect working mom job because it's very flexible it's sales but and you do have to work from eight to five, but it's also flexible when you have things you need to get done, like go to school programs or soccer games, and or go out to a doctor's office early to make your sales call, and then come home and take care of things on the home front. So I I really love that job, and I do have a passion for medicine. That's my missed career opportunity. Yeah, we we're gonna
1: we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. You don't we can uh, you can save that. So. And then you, you eventually went back into finance though. You went I think you went back to I GS.
0: I did and then, I and went then back went, as a part-time. I've job shared
1: with a and then friend. and then you were at RBS and then yes. as a manager and then and this whole time you're in wealth management. Uh, to you know, yeah. sort of you know, maybe different RBS was different more areas. Operational. RBS is yeah. more operational. And then Morgan Stanley, which was operations, and now um, ideally, when I'm doing this, I'm gonna hopefully have like somebody's resume so that like I know you, for instance, like I know your background. But like when I interview somebody, I'm, I'm impressed with your, your memory of the timeline. And and then, and more then family, Morgan Stanley, met, and now and now you're at Zions. So so what do you think? You know, let's talk about what you do now. Um, you know, past is out of the way. We we can, pass is done. We what um, we're current. So right you, you work for private wealth management when you work for a financial advisor. Um, what does, what does Zions Bank in general do? Like, what do you feel like the mission of the bank is and where are you kind of like within that, within the, the organization as a whole?
0: Uh, okay. Well, the bank is definitely a bank and it's also composed of six or seven affiliate banks throughout the West.
1: I think that's something that's interesting that people don't know necessarily about Zions is that it is like a, a holding company, right? It's like, there's like the bank corp. It's a bank corp which is like the Bancorp, which is like in a sort of an umbrella entity. And then there's all these little entities underneath it. And Zions is really only one of those. Zions Bank is really only one of those little entities.
0: Right. And so I probably can't name them all, but California Bank and Trust, Nevada State Bank, um, there's Amogee Wealth or Amagi Bank, which is in Texas, actually, Vectra in Colorado. So we have a lot uh, around the Mountain West. And so we have affiliates there and those are all banks but every bank also has a i mean just like we have mortgage department we have loans department we have you know commercial lending all that type of stuff Then we also have wealth so um that's something that started quite some time ago way before my time called contango and Then there was like Zion's Direct, and then they've kind of morphed it into Zion's Wealth Advisors and Zion's Wealth Management as something that they want to offer as a more full service uh, offering to our clients so that they can have a one-stop shop for banking and wealth and lending.
1: So for somebody who's been, so all of that, that is a good, I feel like that helps people understand um, kind of like what Zines Bancorp is and kind of where, where your role is in the company. Talk a little bit, you know, maybe about more specifically um, how you talk to, you know, what your communication is like, clients, what the sort of like, uh, maybe like a client life cycle is kind of like, like how do you, what do you feel like, um, you know, you're kind of like, what your job is kind of like in, in, in terms of helping clients, servicing clients, um, you know things that you like about it, things that you don't like about it. Um, you know, maybe talk a little bit more specifically about your about your role.
0: Okay. Um, the, the interesting question that you asked that, that really leads to the rest is the life cycle of the client at Zion's yeah. because it's a very unique setup, and I would say it's similar to, you know, Wells Fargo's, Mountain America's, Key Bank, all that bank setup. Because the advisors almost 100% work off leads generated by the bankers. And so mm-hmm. it's not like a cold call situation. They, don't, they sometimes get leads on their own and sometimes maybe even a referral from another client, but largely they, are, they get their referrals from the branches. So people that go into the branch deposit a large amount of money the banker notices that they have a million dollars in cash in their checking account or something ridiculous. And so they uh, actively solicit the wealth advising opportunity. Um, Also, you know, we have private and executive banking. So those are higher dollar clients, business banking. And so those are also lead generation opportunities for the bank. And the bank is compensated on those leads. So they're encouraged to source leads for the advisors. Um, So after they have that, banking relationship generally then the banker will introduce one of the wealth advisors and that's kind of how the cycle begins. Um, The particular advisor I work for usually will sit down and he's very much into planning for clients and so that's where he thrives and really adds value obviously wealth building and accumulation but he loves to plan and um, do cash flow analysis and things like that, which is really great value to clients when they're trying to project what they're going to have going forward and how much they can spend and things like that. So, um, my role now at Zions, which is very much a hybrid of my other roles in wealth or in fi- the finance industry, because I'm doing operations and I'm client facing. So, basically, the advisor once he secures the relationship hands off to me, I do the account opening and all the back office work, but then I'm also um, following up with the client, doing the touch points and trying to do the warm fuzzies to keep the relationship going besides uh, the advisors check-ins with the client and annual reviews. So he does, he does all the brains and I do the operations and the, uh, warm, fuzzy relationship management.
1: <laughs> yeah, it sounds, it sounds like you almost manage the relationship more than he does, maybe.
0: Oh, we can't say that on this podcast. <laughs> There's no way. And no, he. We, it's very, very equal, if not more cited to him. So,
1: yeah. Well, that, so that's interesting. I I like, um, you know, I know, speaking from my own experience, working for a private wealth management firm, working for an independent advisor, um, generating liens is hard. Generating leads is hard, and so I think there's kind of um, you know maybe a trade-off between um, having an affiliation with a bank and some you know being able to receive those leads and 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 not and not having an affiliation. There, with the bank it's a definite
0: being, pro and con. Like,
1: I mean, what you do know, you what think, would be what what, do, what is your take on that? Like, what do you think? What does the person that you work for think about that? What do you um, in terms well, of somebody who's thinking about you know maybe going into This space for a career, as a job, as something that they are thinking about. Should I go the independent track like Scott, or should I go the affiliated track like Amy and Ben? I I mean, I'm not sure if we should say his name. Uh, We'll just leave it as Ben. And should I go the affiliated track, you know, with Amy and Ben? Is affiliate? Would you say affiliated? I don't know. Affiliated. Well,
0: Um, it's interesting because you know now that I have worked here, I've worked here for three years, and the person I work for is a much more senior advisor. And so the compensation structure for the more junior advisors versus the senior advisors is very different. And that is where it comes into the pro and con. So the junior advisor with us, he's just barely, like the bank pays them a salary at the beginning. So they have a guaranteed amount while they're building their book, getting their leads, and then they kind of set them free. But the amount of revenue they're paid from the bank is dependent on how much they have under management. So the more you get, the more you get. And that, that is motivating. But I, I feel like, you know, if we were on our own in our own independent shop, the uh, compensation that the advisors take for themselves would be certainly higher because they have to share their revenue with the bank. However, then you have to generate all your own lead opportunities. <laughs> so, yeah. and especially Zions Bank, it's a well-known established institution in Utah, certainly. And people trust the bank and it's a big name here. And so people who are clients there want to think that Zions is their one-stop shop. Like I, this is my relationship. And so I think that that creates a lot of opportunity for the advisors, especially those that embrace it.
1: Excuse me. What, uh, so if you're thinking about kind of like the future, I mean, what do you think about, you know, you could answer this question uh, for yourself. You could answer it for kind of like the industry in general. Like where do you kind of see yourself going? Where do you kind of see the industry going um, in terms of how, uh, what the client, where where like the client relationship piece can go to the next level, how you can service them better. Um, And maybe kind of just, you know, the, the, Um, investments, uh, professional uh, investment management in general?
0: Um, You know, that's a great question, but kind of a hard question. I do think that, and you would know this very much from your role at your current job as well, I think people want to do well with their investments But you finally get to a point, A, they're too busy with their current jobs to make, you know, it can be like a full-time job trying to figure that out if you really want to research things. And people also want the expertise that uh, a financial advisor can offer them because it doesn't just mean stock picking or portfolio picking it's like I said it's the overall picture of like let me get you in touch with an estate planner let's get you in touch with a CPA to maximize your tax situations let's make cash flow plans so you can figure out if you're going to be able to buy this boat or this uh, you know second home or whatever it is and so I think that that's the value of having an investment advisor versus trying to go it on your own and pick your own stocks Um, people have a hard time I think Fighting off, paying a fee, but once you see your return, you know even less the fees. I think that people get more comfortable with that and also feel like they're getting a value for what they're paying. So um, that's as far as what I think the value is and what people are willing to pay for. Um, where do we see ourselves going? I th- I just know that the advisor I work for wants to grow his book quite exponentially. But he's not planning to do it with smaller accounts. He definitely wants to go after bigger things so that he has fewer clients with more assets under management. Um, for me, that just makes me busier <laughs> and more relationship management. It also, um, because I am on a, I'm fortunate to be on a revenue share platform, I'm paid a base salary by the bank, but then I'm also paid a percentage of revenue. Um, that the advisor gets, and so the more money he gets under management, then that also helps my bottom line. So that's just my unique situation.
1: Um, Well, that's great. Thank you so much for for that insight. I guess, um, you know, uh, if you were going to be giving advice for somebody who um, maybe wants to be a financial advisor or is thinking about pursuing a career in financial operations, what um you know maybe what advice would you have for that person um you know that's like still kind of in college and maybe trying to figure that out and um you know maybe what uh uh oh i forgot what i was gonna ask ask that you know what advice do you have for them and uh yeah let's just go with that
0: okay um i mean i do i feel like when i was answering your questions just kind of preparing for this um, conversation Looking back, I definitely feel that I wish I had more guidance, but I don't even know if any of us are open to guidance when we're 16 and 17 and, you know, you don't know that you don't know anything until you're like 25, right? So (laughs) I feel like the experiences that I did have, like on my summer jobs or even high school jobs, I think what that helps you do is know what you don't want to (laughs) do. Like, I definitely know I don't want to do this, whatever it is. So I think that those things are valuable. Um, I, I think you know, like, because you've had a friend go through the same process that I went through, I do feel like doing the fidelity or the, um, you know, even though it kind of sucks, like the call center experience or even- Yeah, like shout,
1: shout, shout out to Dylan Ducanich, by the way, real quick. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, I was talking about Dylan. Yeah. But I think it's a good way to, it's A, you get your licenses. B, you get a ton of client-facing experience. C, like in the role that Dylan did and what I did at Fidelity when I worked in our premium services, you get it sales experience because you're trying to bring in assets to the firm, or in Dylan's case, probably sell bonds or you know, whatever. So you get a lot of good hardcore experience. And I feel I, I do feel like every I used to feel like this at Goldman Sachs, like every one of those, or every, maybe even at Morgan Stanley, like every one of those kids working there, they should have had to work at Goldman or Fidelity to get some work ethic and understand, like, you have to be here on time. You have to work a certain amount and you have to produce or, you know, it's not going to work. So I feel like those were good experiences for me personally and for Dylan. Um, you know, definitely working at Goldman is a, a trip in the financial industry because it really infuses you with hard work you know, and uh, trying to work your way up and definitely having to put in time, you know, it is, it is no joke there. And it's great for someone who's young, right out of the gates to learn how to work hard and then take that experience and translate it into a new position. So it's hard, but I would say it's a good thing
1: too. <laughs> So you feel like the experience that you got at Fidelity and the experience that you got at Goldman were both great ways for people that are thinking about pursuing a career in financial services uh, to start.
0: To start, yeah, to get licensed. Because a lot of places like Zion's, I had, the role I'm in, we had to have, I had to have a license. And unfortunately, I had left those laps, but they felt confident I could pass those exams because I had already done it once, although it was quite some time ago. But it's much easier to just get those licenses at a place like Fidelity, where they have a class for you, your time is dedicated for that, instead of having to work all day, come home and study for four mm. hours and no one really giving you any guidance if you don't know what the heck you're doing. So I think that was a great way just to find out, is is this for me? And you know, we would say the majority of people know a call center is not for them, but it's a good place to learn the ropes and how to communicate and you know those
1: types of skills. Uh, well, Amy, thank you, thank you so much. If people, um, if any of our listeners, I know, are it's kind of geared towards like younger people, but it's possible that they might have some I'm money up. and could be, and you know, could be uh, possible clients. How can people uh, get in touch with you? Get a hold of you? Uh, you know, social media. Uh, how, how? What's the best way to connect? I'm, with on, you? I'm on
0: I'm on LinkedIn, so that would probably be the best place as people can find me, Amy Ross Kelly, on LinkedIn at Science Prof Advisors.
1: Um, okay. Well, that, that's great. So send great. me a
0: message, or if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them.
1: Um, Wonderful. Well, thank you, thank you so much for for joining uh, Digital Mentorship and sharing sharing your your information with us about your career. And um, thanks you know, for having can, me on your show. I'm, I hope we can do it again. And uh, I love you.
0: I love you too. We should fix your office. It doesn't look very good.
1: Yeah. I don't know if this is where I'm gonna do. It. I'm gonna stop recording. Uh,